2: Hey everybody, it's Caitlin, and I'm going to start us off with our high fives and face palms. Mine is a high five. We just finished Halloween, and this was actually the first year in quite a few years that we carved a pumpkin. It was really fun. Um, I did it with Emmett, and it was kind of a last minute thing. I don't know why I haven't carved pumpkins in a long time. I think because in past experiences, it has always kind of seemed like a big ordeal. I don't know. It always seemed like I've got to do a lot to do it. So I haven't actually done it in quite some time, but it was so fun because randomly where I live, they were doing, they called it a pumpkin festival. So anybody could bring a carved pumpkin to be part of the festival. And so I asked him if he wanted to do it and we did it that day. And it was just so fun. It was so fun to do with him. It was fun to scoop out the seeds and all the guts. And he picked like what we wanted to do it. He did a mean Tomcat because... We have a book that's about a mean Tomcat and that's a big that's a big deal right now, so it's fun. We did a kitty cat. Anyway, it was a blast. And then the other best part of it was then we roasted the seeds, which because I haven't carved pumpkins in a long time, I love roasting pumpkin seeds, but I don't I haven't carved pumpkins in quite some time. So it was delicious to actually roast the seeds and it was fun because my one year old liked the seeds my two like my 3-year-old liked the seeds. Anyway, it was just a win-win for everybody cuz I thought the 1-year-old, I mean he only has a few teeth, so I didn't know seed, the seeds kind of seemed a little bit hard for a 1-year-old to process, but he loved it. It was great. So anyway, it was a total win-win and it was just so fun. I I like I thought to myself, "Why have I not done this in the past?" Like this was awesome. And I do think I know why I haven't done it in the past. I think Emmett is finally at an age where he actually, like, can do it and thinks it's really fun. So I'm glad I'm doing it now. But, um, yeah, it was just good. It was a good high-five moment.
0: I – this – I feel like pumpkin carving, like, has gone exponentially more – that's the right word. Like, my kids love it more, and they're also more independent about it, so that's a good thing. But, (laughs) like – I'm and laughing because so, you seem
2: a little unsure.
0: <laughs> I am unsure because like this year they were carving their pumpkins for like three full days. So like our kitchen table was just like this never ending pumpkin carving guts crusting onto everything for literally three days. And it was, <laughs> I didn't do any, have to do anything besides and like at the end, help them clean up this mess and but guts like glue to everything. It was crazy. Okay. So, yeah, that's I about that.
2: <laughs> that <laughs> does seem crazy. Did they not? I guess I don't know because I haven't ever done that in that amount of time. Did it not like get? Because I feel like sometimes if pumpkins get too warm, like if they're inside, they get yucky. Did that, did you not have that problem though? If they were, in, it was fine. Yeah, I don't,
0: yeah, they were fine. It was,
2: okay. it was just the guts hardening. This, mm. the,
0: spread out experience of the carving
1: the pumpkins that's good i will never forget my first year in college we carved pumpkins and we were we lived inside we were like an inside apartment so we put them on our front porch but our front porch was inside and i will never forget that pumpkin it went like black mold within so fast because you know i was just used to growing up you put them out on your front porch and it's cold outside they go they go bad much faster on the inside so Eh. i'm glad yours did not go bad in that amount of time well, mine is a facepalm on the same subject, so I'm happy for you, Caitlin, that you had a high five. My facepalm is that we just didn't carve pumpkins at all. It's Halloween day, and my kids were like, because all month, I'm like, you know, we got to wait till it's just right for Halloween, because they do go bad pretty fast, and we wanted to, like, light them on Halloween night with our little lights, you know? So, but then Halloween week came, and we just were, like, playing and doing all sorts of other fun Halloween stuff, and then it's Halloween day, and my kids are like, hold on we haven't carved our pumpkins and i'm like no problem it's early out i can't make your dreams come true here early out <laughs> from school you have all afternoon no problem well my husband got surgery that day and then my kids wanted to play with their cousins and friends after school which i'm fine with i was like taking care of my husband so we just didn't carve pumpkins at all guys and did they forget no they did not forget about it End of the night. Why didn't we carve pumpkins? And I explained. I'm like, well, remember, we were going to do in the afternoon, but you decided to put cousins instead. I was taking care of daddy. So now we're going to be carving pumpkins sometime this week. Halloween's over, and we're going to be carving pumpkins. So that's a facepalm. Full facepalm. Carving pumpkins that we haven't even done after Halloween.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I, I hate when kids' lack of awareness of time comes back to bite me. I'm like, guys, you made these decisions. I didn't make these decisions. (laughs) But they literally have, it's been six hours? What? (laughs) The day's over? It's so funny. Okay. I have a high five. And it is to thrifting slash Facebook marketplace. I had the realization the other day that... In the time that I've been married, so that's how many years? Ten-ish. We have only had one piece of furniture that we got new. I have thrifted or found all of our other furniture. Every single thing. And I'm not trying to be like, I'm so good at thrifting. I'm trying to speak to the power of the internet. Like, you can just go on Facebook Marketplace, you can just go on KSL, and literally, KSL is our, like, local, like, Craigslist situation, and just find anything, basically. It's really cool.
2: Yeah. I aim into that, and in addition to that, if people haven't heard of this, because I feel like I discovered this in the last year and it has actually been amazing. There's usually on Facebook, there's buy nothing, sell nothing Facebook groups. So like wherever you live, they'll have a buy nothing, sell nothing Facebook group for your area. And it's awesome because literally it is just that people don't sell anything. They just literally put on their, Hey, and it's amazing. Cause I've gotten some incredible things from this. Cause like My dryer was going out and someone posted that week and said, hey, my son's selling his house. The dryer works great. Who wants a dryer? And I got a free dryer. Anyway, I've had many things both that I needed and that just were cute or that I wanted that were free from this thing. So in addition to just finding deals on just like Marketplace or KSL or Craigslist or whatever, there's also even things that are just totally free that people get rid of in the name of like reduce, reuse, recycle that right. that thing. So it's good for the earth. It's good for you. It's good for your wallet. So anyway, I'm with you, Felicia. I think that's awesome.
1: Hold on. Why have I never heard about this? You're saying it's only for people to post free stuff. Like that's the whole point of the
2: – That's the point of it. Yeah. So occasionally people will say, hey, I'm looking for this. Like for instance, I was looking for a baby dinosaur costume this last Halloween and so I just put it on there and I said, hey, does anybody have? And I was actually even just asking just to borrow. But sure enough, someone was like, hey, I have a baby Triceratops costume and my kids are all grown out of it. And if you want it, you can have it. So anyway, it's incredible. So occasionally people will say what they're looking for. And sometimes you find it and sometimes you don't. But most of the time it's just people saying, hey, I have a bunch of kids clothes or I have a bunk bed or, you know, whatever. It's amazing. Wow,
1: that's crazy. Oh, my gosh. I never knew this. This is, this is blowing my mind. Thank you, Caitlin.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. And you're welcome to everybody listening that doesn't know about it because it really is fantastic. That's pretty great. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, so with that, um, we today we are going to be doing some listener questions. So we each picked um, a question that we wanted to kind of hash out and go through. So I'm going to start us off this question. um, And May I just add before we go into it? Thank you guys all for sending in your questions. We love reading them. So you can either send them through Instagram to our Instagram page, or you can put them in a review. Um, we always love reading them, and we do. We do like to do these episodes every so often, so we love it when you guys send in these questions. Um, okay, so this one, I uh, this is from Maggie, and she said her her issue is. That she has a five year old, and sometimes it takes five plus times to ask my five year old daughter to do what I ask her to do. There's no attitude, she just gets distracted and starts playing. It happens a lot about picking out clothes or putting them on, which she normally has no problem with, but there are times when she insists she can't do it and gets really upset, usually when we're having to hustle. So, um, I have a couple thoughts on this. My kid is my oldest is younger than five, but I think some of the principles still apply so I do have some thoughts on it and then I'm really interested to hear what you both have to say about it um but at least with Emmett some of the stuff because I feel like sometimes it'll go both ways sometimes it's either so let's give the example of putting on putting on socks or getting in the car to go because I think that that's a big thing and um like Janet Lansbury talks about this a lot, but transition times are always kind of a time of struggle for kids. So if you're leaving to go somewhere, even if it's somewhere that they're excited about going, even if it's like a park, sometimes you can see this where it's like they linger or things that they normally know how to do, like pulling on their socks, like is taking forever. Or So that's actually totally normal. So when Maggie says, like, usually when we're having to hustle, kids can almost sense that, that we're in a hurry And especially if it's something that they don't really care about, if it's something that we care about, but they care less about, then it's even more, it's like, why are you pushing me to do this? The like resistance seems to build. So I think that's totally normal. And again, she even says like, it's not like they have an attitude about it. I think a lot of times, especially with small kids, sometimes I see this where it's like, there's not even an attitude. It's just, it seems like they're just busy playing or whatever, but we are trying to get out the door. So some things that have been helpful for me is for instance, so I'm gonna just give the example of putting on socks and shoes to go out the door, and then like hopping in the car. So I noticed for a while, sometimes I'd have the issue with Emmett because I I also have a younger baby that does is completely dependent on me getting him completely ready and putting him in the car, and then I have the three year old. So <clears throat> sometimes what I would say is I'd be like, "Okay, let's hop in the car," and and I would put Will in, and what would happen is Emmett would say. I want to like, I want to do it by myself. Like I want to get in the car by myself. But then he would either take a really long time to get to the car or just take a really long time getting into the car seat and then take forever. But so he would like almost linger doing it. So, and I was, and I would get increasingly frustrated. So it would just kind of like build this tension that was never good. And, um, so something that really helps for me with this was I would just say either, I'm going to put Will in the car. If you're not buckled in by the time that I finish with him, then I'll just come do it. Not, And I would do it in like a really calm, gentle, respectful way, like very unruffled. But then what would happen is I think the first time that I did it, I was like, okay, I buckled in Will. And of course, Emma was like still kind of like wandering about in the yard, like doing whatever. And I just like said like, okay, now I'm going to pick you up and put you in. And he was like, I want to do it myself. And I was like, okay, you know, and I think I might've given him a like I counted. I was like, okay, I'm going to count to five. If you're not in by the time I get to five, then I'm just going to help you do it. And what happened is like he still kind of was lingering, and so I did. I just put him in, and the whole time he was very displeased. (laughs) He was kicking, like he was very unhappy with me. Crying that he really wanted to do it. And I buckled him in, and I just said like, hey, I hear you. You really want to do this by yourself? Um, I, you know, I let you know that I was going to do this. And so next time, if you really want to do it by yourself, you can do it before, either before I finished doing Will or whatever. And it only, for me, it only took really that one time. And then any other time after that, if he really actually wanted to do it himself, he would just hurry and do it himself. So for me, the counting thing actually did work because it's not like I had a punishment at the end. It was just simply, okay, I'm now just going to help you do it. So for me, that helped. Um... Or I know that sometimes parents find it frustrating, like on the flip side. So like maybe they're not insisting on doing it themselves, but they then say, I can't do it, which is what this parent's saying. Like, oh, I can't do it anymore. But say, you know, they know how to put on their socks or something. So I know sometimes for parents that can be really frustrating because you're thinking, okay, now I feel like you're almost just being defiant or something because like, I know that you know how to do this. Why aren't you just doing it? So in those situations, again, I actually go back to, Janet Lansbury and I know other, you know, parenting books talk about this, but just realizing that they, at this time, they just need us to be a leader and be on their team. And so they, when we see that our kid is having a hard time, even if it's something that we know they know how to do, we can simply just say, Hey, I can see you're having a hard time with putting on your socks. I'm just going to help you do it. And sometimes it might like, sometimes they actually do just want us to help them do it. Maybe they might put up a little bit of pushback depending on the mood. But I think just recognizing that sometimes they do just need us to be the leader and help them do it, even though they might already be physically and emotionally capable of doing it. I feel like sometimes those transition times just are going to be harder. So those are some things that have helped me um, with those things. But I, I'm always interested in what, like, what other people do in these situations to make it go smoother.
1: I love the examples you gave. My favorite part of what you just said, Caitlin, that I just want to highlight is (laughs) she used the word displeased when she said how Emmett felt about being buckled in the car, even though he wanted to do it himself. But the thing is, it's easy to hear that. And then, you know, she explained that he was screaming and crying and stuff. But I just want you guys to really like soak that in that our kids can be losing it and we don't actually have to lose it. We can just be like, I see how you're really frustrated about this but I'm still going to buckle you in. Right. She gave him the chance. And the th- the cool thing about this is, it is not a reflection of like them being upset. You don't have to internalize that. Right. And then it, it doesn't mean that we do it in a cold way. Right. I mean, there's a balance between being empathetic. Like, yeah, that's really frustrating for you. That feels kind as opposed to like in a cold, hard, like you weren't fast enough. Who cares? Like, I don't even care. I'm just going to force you into this. So I think we can still be kind and I can, I can see you doing this Ken. Like I can hear your voice. You know what? Yeah. I can see that you're frustrated about this as she's gently buckling him in as he's flailing around, you know what I mean? So that's mm-hmm. the beautiful thing about any of this parenting stuff we talk about is it really frees you to be your best self and you're, you you do not have, you don't have to match your kid as they're elevating, but you also don't have to give in to like, okay, well then I'm just going to sit here for 45 minutes and miss the thing we're going to. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I love, I love that. I just want to like really emphasize that point that our kids can literally be losing it and we can still do the thing and stand ruffled. And, and the next time, yeah, sure thing. I love how you said that next time he buckled himself up in the same amount of time it took you to put Will in and it wasn't a problem, but I'm going to go ahead and make a guess that it's going to happen again sometime. You know what I mean? That's how our kids work is. There's times where I'm like, oh my gosh, I cracked the code, guys. This is amazing. And then they do the same thing in like a month and we circle back, you know, and that's okay. The cool thing is at one point, guess what? All my kids get in the car seat by them. They all get in the car by themselves and they all buckle themselves up. And it's amazing. None of them are like, I don't, you know, it's not like a thing that's going to stay along around for a long time. So you're doing great. And I just want everybody out there to know that like, that is so normal, especially in this where she says. normally she has no problem with it but there are times she really insists and gets upset that's so normal like so it's just they're asserting their independence sometimes they're insisting that they can't do it and they need help and sometimes they're insisting that they can do it and they don't want help and they're gonna do both (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i really that's all i wanted to add to that is you're doing a great job and that's totally normal but when i say normal that doesn't mean that we have to just be at the whim either i think I think a lot of parents think I need to either be overly permissive and just be like okay you know however long it takes you you just do it and then they feel exhausted and they feel like they're victims of their own children's whims and that's not the answer here at all but it doesn't mean that we have to match them with anger and be really angry about it you know what I mean we can just say You know, that's working for you right now to take 20 minutes on your shoes. I'm going to give you 20 minute heads up. But at the end, like, I'm just going to put them on for you, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. however that looks. And I think it's okay to do that from a space of kindness. And honestly, that's one of those things that just takes practice. So if you lose it, it's okay. Just keep practicing. And I really don't think you can get to the point where it's like, this doesn't even phase me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't even, like, I'm okay with a two year old getting upset. It doesn't doesn't bother me, you know? Whereas for me with my first, I actually felt a lot more. I felt more anxiety when she was upset. Whereas with my fourth, like he can be upset about something and I'm like, I get it. It's okay. But it doesn't, like, I'm not internalizing it anymore. So what I'm saying is it just totally takes practice. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I was so mad at my kid the other day and I just like in anger put them in their car seat. That's okay. Just keep trying. Just keep practicing.
2: You'll get it. Mm Mm-hmm. I did want to add to, I liked what you said. And I think we had another episode sim- where we talked about a similar thing here because I am remembering this, but I do like, cause, cause I think part of my thing too is that I'm like, oh, but I want him to be able to like learn how to put on his socks and do these things. So I think if you do want to do it, something that also has helped me is I try to do those things long before we're going to go anywhere. So it's like, I actually changed it because I used to not change them until at least Emmett, I wouldn't change him until after breakfast because I felt like his clothes would get dirty during breakfast anyway. But anyway, I actually ended up changing that. And um, I do just usually change him right when he gets up. And that allows me that time of I don't feel rushed because we're not most of the time we're not trying to book it somewhere else when they first get up. And so I feel like there's not that pressure because the kids, at least I feel like kids really pick up on that energy of like you're trying to go somewhere quickly hold on a minute. I'm going to dig in my heels. I'm not totally sure. I don't know if I want to, like, anyway, so I think if they want to do something by themselves, let them do it. If you, if you're able to, sometimes it's not always possible, but if you're able to let them do it when there's no necessarily timeline where you are trying to get out, that's not always possible, but I think it's definitely something to keep in mind. That I think sometimes that's definitely within our realms of sure. Yeah. You can put on your socks and we're not going anywhere for another two hours. So if you want to, take forever putting on your socks. That's fine. So I definitely think there's something there that is helpful. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think to the point of what you're saying, if it's like we don't have the time to allow them the time it would take a two to six year old or whatever you want to say to disengage from their play or their world and get ready, then for me, it's just I don't even give them the option or demand them to do it. A lot of the times when they're little, I just say we have to go and I grab their shoes and put them on after I buckle them in the car seat. So it like takes away the power struggle because mm-hmm. like that expectation of, okay, get your shoes on, on my timeline. Cause we need to go somewhere. I need to go. Isn't necessarily a lot of the times like a kid's favorite thing. So right. if you can just take that struggle away entirely, um, that could be an option. And then I loved what you're saying with giving them the time to do it. And I always think in my mind, I actually think Taryn at one point said, like, I'm feeling like the train engine, and if I stop then, the rest of the train just stops moving.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: that like visual comes up in my mind, and a lot where I'm like, okay, if I'm being the engine and I'm just pushing, 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 the one thing I know for sure isn't happening. None of these people here, these children's, are learning to self-initiate or to be responsible for these things because I'm the one telling them or reminding them or pushing them. So if you do have the luxury of time in some of these activities, try not reminding them or going over it a million times, asking, you know, because if they know you're going to ask five times, they're probably only going to do it on the fifth time or mm-hmm. when you make them. So so how can you create systems that allow for your child to create the habitual reminder in their own brain? And <clears throat> it's hard. It's hard to let your kid leave their backpack outside and it gets wet with sprinklers three times before they remember to put it on the hook like you're asking, but if every single time they put their backpack on the hook, it's because you told them to. They're not creating that like muscle memory, and honestly, that's like the thick of the stage that I'm in, where I'm, I'm wanting to not. I don't even want to be the asker, even if you eventually do it when I'm asking. I I want you to be self-initiated in these things. So, I think this is a really interesting question as you move into older kids sure Mm
2: -hmm. yeah
1: and i really like what you said there about timing in general i think we think that our our agenda is our agenda is important but i think it's important to realize that for a kid play and transitions play is their job it's very important for their development and transitions are also consistently a sticky part (laughs) that's usually when kids are losing it is during a transition time they're feeling rushed. They're t- feeling taken away from wherever they're doing. And that doesn't mean that as adults we don't – that doesn't mean we only do what our kids want to do because, of course, we have our own agendas. But just to come at that from a place of empathy of this is going to be a transition for them. So there's a lot of things we can do to help prevent that kind of stuff. Like I love that, Felicia, that you said sometimes you do just – you don't even give the option. It's just we're going mm-hmm. to get in the car because this is my timeline, and I don't want to just overly impose that. But then also I love it because for me, if it's possible, and as I'm saying this guys, this is not my strength. But if I can not be rushed, that really helps. You know what I mean? Because they can sense it. Like Caitlin was saying, I mean they can sense it. If you're feeling rushed at all, they they like they latch onto that and they're like, Oh my gosh, we're rushed. Whoa, I'm gonna put in my heels here. This is the time for the power struggle. The time has come, yes. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think everybody knows that, but it is a good reminder that if you can not be rushed, it really helps. So Mm -hmm. I love that. Do you guys have anything else about that question?
0: No, that's great.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. I am going to read a question from Kim and it's more of a observation slash comment. So bear with me as I work through it, but I think it's super um, vulnerable and aware of Kim to share this and it brought up some stuff that we want to talk about. So she said that one thing I found is I hold an expectation for myself of how I parent, basically. So she's talking about how she um, executes her role as a caregiver, as a mother. And then she says, I tend to then use this as a judgment against others and the role, how they fulfill their role in this and how they juggle it. And she says, it's not an admirable quality, but it's something I found I tend to do often. Um, And she's just saying, I'm checking in. Do you guys feel this way? Do you have any listeners that feel this way? Um, So she says, I'm jealous that I can't step away from this role. Mentally, I don't like to. And physically, I don't like to either. Um, From my duties as a mother as easily as others do. So, um, I'm empathizing with Kim here. I know this feeling where you're kind of like, uh, you know, this is in quotes the right way to be doing this role and I'm doing X, Y, Z, but I'm looking at these other people and they're not, they're choosing to do blah, 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 self care, or how come they're not, you know, cooking meals this way, or how come they're not, you know, doing their house this way, or how come they're letting their kids do this or all this screen time or da, da 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 And you're looking out and comparing and judging kind of from this pedestal that of expectation that you've put on yourself. So I just thought this was a really interesting thought on our roles and how kind of comparison, maybe a little bit of like envy can play into this. And so the first, like, no, I wanted to bring up was, we have episodes on this, but I think always with jealousy or envy or whatever you want to call it, it's, and Kim's doing this right now, like she's doing an amazing job saying, why am I feeling these kind of sticky feelings about this? There's obviously something that's bothering me, and for me, that's always a sign of something that... I want or I'm longing for for myself, but my body's like confused and and turning it into judgment or or jealousy. So, that's the first thing I would know is, man, if I'm really like judgy and envious or whatever of what these people are doing, maybe there's a little nugget, gold nugget in there of something that I want to change about how I'm showing up in my role.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I like how I know we've done an episode where we talked about this, but how jealousy or envy can point us like it's the map. And I think because I I can definitely agree. I don't like when I feel those feelings in myself. They're not, they're not comfortable feelings when I feel that towards others because I because sometimes it's like I don't want to feel this way. Like I don't want to feel it, but I do. You know. So I think, but I like it because I think it can be a pointer. Because in some ways, it's like you know, this person is, yeah, I'm trying to think of like a really good example, but yeah, it's like if this person is doing these kind of self-care things, am I feeling jealous that they're doing it? Because I think like, man, I wish either I I had time to do that or that I could step, I felt comfortable stepping away and doing that. So is it pointing me to something that maybe I do need to do differently? Um, I know we've brought this up before also in an episode, but I really like it. Brene Brown gives the example of, she actually does give the example of self-care where sometimes she would, she used to look at some people that would do things and be like, oh, that's cute that you have time for that. But like the rest of us don't, you know, that kind of thing.
1: World, folk.
2: <laughs> yes. And I love, um, yeah, like the rest of us actually have jobs and we have to do, you know, we have to take care of our families. Blah, blah, blah. And um, and I feel like I have occasionally like had those come to my, mind, I'm like, that's cute that you can do that. But, you know, I don't know if the rest of us could, do that the responsible people so um but what she gives is kind of the same thing that it's like if you are kind of feeling those feelings it might be it it's telling it's usually you kind of sending a message to yourself of I am feeling like almost try on some turnarounds of like am I feeling this way because actually I want the time or or just like the freedom to feel like I can choose to do something like this like usually it's So I think you can try a couple turnarounds on yourself to see what kind of feels more right. And if it is like this, um, like Kim in here is saying, if it's kind of like you're seeing that people are able to maybe step away and do whether it's self-care things or maybe they're into a hobby or they're taking time for it and you're thinking like, wait a minute, I don't feel like I can step. She says, I can't step away mentally or uh, I don't like to physically either um, from the duties of being a mother as easily as others. I think, um, if you're kind of feeling that way, but maybe you are wanting to be able to do that. So like, if that's kind of sending that message, then I think then it comes down to like, maybe asking some questions of how can I do this in a way that feels right to me? Like, is it talking to my spouse to be like, Hey, you know, maybe I do want a night where I can go and do this. How can we make this work for us? Or, Maybe you get a babysitter during the middle of the day, a day a week, or, you know, it could look, it can look a bunch of different ways. Um, and, and she, she's not specific on what exactly that is. But I think once we kind of figure out what it's pointing us to, then like work with the people in our lives to then maybe do that. And it, sometimes it doesn't even have to be anything big. And sometimes it really, I think sometimes it is just like mentally realizing, wait a minute. I actually can step away. Like I can make this choice to do it. And I think a lot of this comes from, some of these feelings come from like maybe how we grew up. Maybe we saw a parent or both parents that weren't able, that that they chose to sacrifice themselves at the altar of motherhood or they lost themselves or, and, and that could look a lot of different ways too. I'm I'm giving one example, but I think this could look a lot of different ways. But I think, again, maybe doing some of that exploration internally. And then after we've done that, then maybe work with the people in our lives to maybe help us figure out a good way that we can give that self-care to ourselves. Because I will I will say, I think that's one big gift that I think we can give our kids, even if they push back. I really like this. We, I, we read this in a book recently, a parenting book that we're actually going to do an episode on later, but I really loved it. It's in Good Inside. But she said, sometimes our kids might even push back. Like I feel like I've had it sometimes where it's like, I'm going to go for a hike, um, in the middle of the day. And my husband is home. Like everything's good. But my little three-year-old would be like, mom, like, don't you want to bring me with you? And I, and he's like said those words, like, can I come with you? And in my mind, I'm like, oh, I do love doing hikes with you. And that's, and he loves being with me. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh, I kind of feel guilty that, and Cam was good. And he was like, hey, you know what, honey, sometimes it's just good for mommy just to like, do this by yourself and she loves being with you too like he kind of answered it for me and it was good because i thought even sometimes when our kids push back and that was like a really cute way but sometimes they might be like really sad that we're going to do something but i think it's actually still can be really good for them to see mom still takes time to do something that she loves and it might not be something that like needs to be done but that's good like it's good for her to do that and she does come back and Lots of times she's probably happier you know like happier when that happens so I think realizing that our kids might not always be perfectly on board if sometimes we decide to do some of these things but I think it's also it is good for them to see when we do choose to do things because they see yeah like mom um has needs too and and or dad you know like this could be any anything um anyway so those are some of my thoughts on on that I think everything you guys
1: have said about this is so beautiful, and I think the only thing I would like to add to it is something about just the word resentment. And I'm going to paraphrase this, but you know, you already mentioned Brene Brown. So when we're judging people, oftentimes there's some kind. It's it's worth looking at why we're judging them. And this this amazing woman who sent in this comment, she's not liking the feeling, right? Like she's not enjoying the feeling that she has when she's judging other people's parenting. Um, so first of all, I just want to point out that there isn't anything wrong with seeing when somebody's doing something that you disagree with. There's two different kinds of judgment here. There's the kind of judgment to me, and I'm going to use the word judgment loosely, but there's the kind that just says that isn't what I want to do, right? Like that person's doing some kind of parenting that I don't want to do. So, you know, that happens a lot where you see somebody and you're like, yeah, I don't think that is great. And I'm, I'm. There's value in me noticing that because I don't want to do that. I don't Mm -hmm. want to respond like that. I do want to be more attentive, whatever it is. And you can just take that as a gift. And then the cool thing is you get to release that person. You know what I mean? You can just say, thank you, self, um, for pointing out something that I don't want to do. So that's one kind. And that can be really helpful, right? It doesn't mean you have to hold on to any negative feelings towards those parents. You can just literally say, is this pointing me? This is just pointing out something that I don't want to do. And that, that totally happens. We see parenting all the time that it isn't your, what you want for you and your children. Right. So the thing is, I'm getting the vibe that that's not the kind she's talking about the most here. She's talking about the kind that is resentment. Well, that can be part of resentment. Right. Because, and this is me paraphrasing Jennifer, Dr. Jennifer finlayson Fife um, is just one of, I wish I had the direct quote in front of me. But she said something like, resentment is when we hold other people responsible for our own choices. So Brittany Brown's example of the self-care is huge. I am resentful of that person who took the time, who's taking the time to do an exercise they like because I'm not doing it myself. That's not a good example for me, but <laughs> but um let me think of a good example. You know, um, I'm resentful of that person for going back to school because I'm not doing that myself. So it's actually it's actually just envy, but I'm holding that person responsible for my choices, right? And the cool thing is I might be choosing it deliberately and deliberately and it doesn't actually change my choice once I recognize that. But the power and the freedom comes from realizing, oh, this feeling of judgment, which is actually just a little bit of resentment, isn't on that person at all. <laughs> Because I'm responsible for what I want. And so if I feel good about where I'm at and where – I mean, the way she phrases it where it's like, you know, I have a problem disengaging. If she doesn't feel that there's a problem with that, then the cool thing is this is where you can just be so free because you can say, but I like how I am. And I'm going to choose to stay like this because this is what feels best to me. And then it gives you this freedom to release the person, right? You can just be like, you do you. I do me. And I approve of this. However – if, as she says that, she's feeling this feeling of like, but I'm actually not liking that I can't disengage. I would like some time to myself. I would like a little bit of time away from my kids. And that's where that feeling of judgment and resentment is coming from. Then that's the cool thing is that's where you can say, okay, then I am going to choose deliberately to give myself that. I'm going to find a way that works for me, whether that's early mornings, whether that's I arrange and we actually like take turns or whatever it is, it doesn't even matter. What matters is that you realize that you have the power to meet your own needs and actually like fulfill that. So that's, that's for me is how I would organize in my mind. I'm making this judgment. doesn't feel great. Is it teaching me something about what I don't want? Fabulous. Great. I'm going to release them and just say, great. I don't want to do that. But if it is something that you want to do and it's coming from a place of resentment, then you again, get a look at yourself and say, there's a lot of times where I feel that feeling of envy. And when I really look at it, I'm like, but you know, I'm still not going to choose that. Like if I could choose it, I wouldn't. So I'm going to own that choice and feel good about it. Or, you know, I'm going to make a change. So those would kind of be like the ways I would, I would look at that. And I just add that beautiful definition from Jennifer, Finley and Fife, that resentment is us having other people be responsible for our own choices.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I love it.
0: Yeah. And I would add two little nuggets Um, one, I think I, I realized this with parenting, um, and then I realized it with like separately as a role, as a caregiver or as a mother, but you know, that feeling before you have kids or like, I, my kids will never, or I will never do that when I'm parenting and just like realizing that you should just not ever think that or say that because, you probably will. And also, aside from neglect and abuse, like there's lots of different ways of parenting and mothering that are good, and everybody's just different, and every family's different. And so I think really doing some work to remove those judgments. And I feel like when it comes to motherhood, only really in the last like two years have I fully like internalized that where I'm, I'm really not finding myself like judging how other people choose to juggle those responsibilities because for a variety of reasons, you never know the full story. You also never know if you might get to a place where you might be doing the same thing that you're judging people for whatever. So it's really helpful for me to like, let go of what supposedly a good mom's supposed to look like or a good parent. And, but also in that having some like Being gentle with yourself and saying, if this is something I want to change, like, why do I identify with motherhood in this way? Like, whether that's me thinking motherhood should be a huge sacrifice or that it should be, like, a martyr situation and, like, what am I getting from being in that space? Like, how has it served me in the past or, like, what... Good has come from it, and just being like gentle with that part of us that needed to be in that role because it's hard to when, like, when I'm saying Kim's being vulnerable, like, I think it's really hard to realize that and admit that we're in that space that she's saying she gets to, and Mm -hmm. you don't want to like turn against yourself because there's that served you in a way in some time of your life, so. Just being gentle with that as you, like, work through this, like maybe moving into some self-care, not just forcing it, but, like, learning from it, I guess.
2: hmm I agree. And just to tack on to that, I think we talk about this a lot, but realizing that just because we feel jealous or, or any of those negative feelings, we can simply, like like we've talked about before, we can just observe it and say, like, hey, I'm feeling jealous. Like it doesn't mean, I think sometimes again, we almost like take it on sometimes as an identity. Sometimes feels, I don't know. It's like, I don't know if, and it doesn't feel great and we don't like the way it feels. And it's, and I, at least for me with jealousy, again, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't like feeling this way. And I do feel like I try to push it away. Like, I'm like, I don't want to feel this way. I don't like, but we all know that like, it's almost like the more you try to, (laughs) Tara you mentioned this, I think in your last podcast, but it's like, They're like toddlers. It's like the more you try to like tamp it down, it's almost like the more insistent it becomes. And so I think at least for me, jealousy can be that way. And I think a lot of negative emotions can be that way too. But, um, so I think just remembering that, that it's like, it's okay that you feel that way and like, just try observing it. And again, letting it kind of ask your, be curious about it. Why do I feel this way? And I think when we open up curious, like with curiosity there can be some really good things that it can point us to. So yeah, I really like everything you guys, you both of you said.
1: I like that. Thank you. Okay. Our last question is from, you know, from a beautiful name that I, I don't want to pronounce incorrectly, but uh, her question is how do you deal with crying, crying about every single thing? (laughs) And her son is three and a half. So, I chose this question because it has just been really on my mind lately. I have a couple friends who have really, mm, I'm going to think of a pleasant way to say this. Their children have really heightened expressions of emotion. So, everybody in their nature, we all feel emotion and we all express emotion. However, there's no doubt that everybody. expresses it differently and some crying is just a lot of that if you look at little kids some kids are going to cry a lot more than others right and i'm talking about just their nature i'm not talking about what they've been taught to do i'm just saying how they come out right and if you look at your own kids a lot of us will notice that some just cry a lot more than others right you'll notice that as babies as toddlers and as they get bigger so i just recently had the opportunity to um watch this dynamic up close and is with a little girl who just cries a lot. Like just literally, I mean, you could tell she feels something and she cries. That's kind of like her mode of expressing. And it was really fascinating to watch her parents react to this. And you could just tell they're really, really uncomfortable with it because the thing is, and as as just you guys know, as I'm saying this, this is a normal parental response. I'm just pointing it out because I feel like this is a really, really important, it's just so close to my heart. The goal here of this conversation, this part of the conversation is I want, if I had a wish for kids who cried a lot, it would be that they grow up knowing that it's okay to cry, that there is no shame in crying because they're not going to turn into adults that, I mean, our fear is that they're going to turn into adults who like stub their toe and cry for five hours. You know what I mean? Like that's not going to happen. So we can, it's like when we get so caught up in potty training issues where we're like, this will eventually pass. They're not going to ever be, you know, crying that the candy bar they wanted is not at the grocery store. So that's not the fear. That's, I think it is a fear of some people, but I'm just pointing out that you don't have to worry about that. So know that they're not going to be as cryy openly as they get older, but if they are taught that they cannot cry, the crying is bad. They're going to end up suppressing a ton of emotions, which has, so many negative effects on how they develop. It's, it ends up, so they actually have a hard time expressing emotion. They end up holding emotion in their bodies, which is very unhealthy for their bodies and can lead to all sorts of different diseases. And they, when they do want to really actually cry as an adult, they're going to feel shame at the same time because they're going to hear the voice in their head saying, stop crying, stop crying, stop crying, stop crying. So then it leads to adults. So if I'm going to have, if I'm going to, if I'm going to, Have my children end up as adults? I would much rather have a child, an adult who can cry when they need to cry, right? Versus an adult who just feels shame every time they cry. So let's back up now. So now let's come back. We have tiny a tiny child in front of us who has a tendency to cry a lot, right? If our goal is that we want our child to be able to cry, and we want to be able to walk them through the stage of life where they do not have control of their own emotions, right? They're gonna have a lot. They're going to be able to regulate so much better as an adult. So again, we don't have to worry about that. What we do want to worry about now, not worry, what we want to focus on now is can we be there as their guide, as they navigate this time of not being able to regulate their own emotions? So can we give them a space to cry? That's the question. So the impulse to stop our child from crying is so normal and it comes from a place that's positive inside of us. So again, as I say this, I'm not saying this, that these are bad parents. I'm saying when your child cries, because we're connected to them, we have literally inside of us the desire to stop the crying because we don't want our kid to be sad, right? So that desire, there's nothing wrong with that desire. So give yourself a pat on the back. If you're like, oh my gosh, I totally stop my kid from crying all the time and I tell them to stop crying first give yourself a pat on the back because guess what it's just you just care about your kid you don't want it to be sad we have a hard time that with that with babies that was like the biggest eye-opening for me as a baby as a mother of babies when I started listening to Janet Lansbury and people like her where I was like oh it's okay for my kid to cry and I can just hold them and allow them to cry I don't have to like stuff stuff in their mouth and I don't have to like do weird things like I can just exist with them and give them beautiful compassionate silence you know if their needs are met you know, so they're not hungry, they're not tired, but like the stopping, the crying isn't the goal. The witnessing them is the goal and making sure their needs are met is the goal. So if their needs are met and they're still crying, that's okay. That to me as a parent, like I can like still feel the feeling of, it was on my second baby that I really realized that, that I realized, oh, she can cry. I've already, you know, I know her needs are being met and I can actually just hold her. And it stopped I stopped having that really strong nervous system response of I'm panicking. She's crying. I can't get her to stop. Oh my gosh, I'm a bad parent. Like I I could stop going down that cycle because I realized, oh, she's just a human being. He was expressing some emotion and me giving her compassionate space is what I need to do here. That's all I need to do. It took the pressure off of me from stopping the crying. And the beautiful thing is, so that applies to babies. Now let's move up. Now I'm talking like toddlers through 12 year olds honestly, even on, but toddlers up. If you feel like your kid's crying a lot, can you do the same thing? So now this doesn't mean that you're giving into them, right? It doesn't mean that like they, let's use the example of the candy bar. The candy bar is not, either you say no to the candy bar (laughs) or the candy bar they want is not at the store and they just lose it. They're just, they're just crying, crying about it. And you're thinking to yourself, this is not worth crying over guys. It's just a Snickers bar. Like To you, it's like, this is not important. and So you can find yourself getting frustrated, like this isn't even important. You might start feeling like, I don't want my kid to be sad. So this doesn't mean that we just like bend over backwards to make their wishes come true here. That's not what I'm saying. We can still, we're we're allowing them to be sad. So what this can look like is, I can see you're really sad about that. Yeah, I get it. And then you just keep loading up the groceries on the cart and they can cry about it. And something something that I love to say to my kids is, um, I'm gonna use the example of when they get hurt. So they get hurt. Sometimes I think in my mind, that was not a big hurt. You know, you literally bumped your shoulder barely into your brother, you know, whatever it is. So whether or not I think that it's a valid hurt or not, doesn't matter. I'll say something like, you know what, I can see you're really sad about that. You can cry as long as you need to about it. And you know what's so cool, guys? When I first started using that phrase, I can still remember. It was with my second, Savannah. She was on my lap, and she was crying about something. And she, like, came to me, and she was sitting on my lap, and the thought came to my mind, try this. And I just said, you can cry as long as you need to about that. And it was so fascinating. She, like, I could feel, like, the tension go out of her body. She probably cried for, like, 30 more seconds. And then she just got up and walked away. And I still, my kids are bigger now. I mean, my youngest is six and I still find myself saying that to all of them. You can cry as long as you need to. And something about that permission, it's almost like the crying is like, it lasts. This isn't the goal, but the crying actually lasts less long. It's it's shorter in my anecdotal experience because you've given it permission. Like, you know what? Mm-hmm. You're, crying, you're crying doesn't scare me at all. My grandma used to say that all the time. Crying baby doesn't scare me at all. <laughs> You can't like it doesn't phase me. So if our kids know that their crying doesn't even phase us and then cry as long as they need to about anything, you just give them permission. I think it becomes less of like a I need to control this. Now, I'm just gonna say that that's just about expressing emotion in general. So a lot of times crying turns into whining. And again, I'm going to emphasize that doesn't mean that you're like, oh my gosh, let me fix this for you. Let me give you the thing you're whining about. That's not it at all. You still hold your boundary, whatever you held. You're just allowing them to have their response to whatever that is, crying, whatever it is. So again, that this doesn't mean that we're like falling into the permissive category, but it simply means that we're just holding that space with compassion. We're meeting them there and letting them have it letting them experience their own emotion and the beautiful and I don't think there's anything wrong with as your kids get older like I want that little girl I was telling you about I want to go up to her and I want to say your ability to feel emotion and express it is such a gift and I want you to know that I can see you I can see that you feel deeply you feel sad about that bug that got squished and I also saw how happy you felt when you saw that butterfly on that flower and how beautiful it was. And I just want you to know that your ability to feel emotion like that, feel it so deeply is so beautiful. that's what I want to tell her, right? That it's okay to cry because you can't numb both. You can't start numbing just your crying. You're going to also tamp down your joy. So that's what I want to tell her, right? Like you have permission to feel whatever you want to feel. And then it's not going to turn into somebody who holds in, holds in, holds in and blows up. So Some of that's difficult when you have a child whose nature is much more emotional than you are. So I'm recognizing that's difficult for somebody who's not like that and their kid's really emotional. (laughs) You know, that can be hard. But all I know is that teaching them there's something wrong with them and they have to tamp it down is not going to be healthy for them in the long run. So that's what I'd have to say that it's like something, I don't know, it felt like when I read that question, I was like, yes, I totally hear what you're saying. Because we have all been there where it's like, oh my gosh, you are crying over every single thing. What matters? What matters? And the question is, what matters? What are we going for here? And it totally, for me, reframes the entire thing. When we think of we want them to have permission to feel, that doesn't mean we give in to their demands. It just means that we give them the permission to feel so they can turn into adults who can regulate their own emotions. Because let's just remember at this age, that's a good mantra for me is, they're a little person, I'm a big person. Jenna Lansbury always says that, right? They're little people. They don't know how to regulate their emotions yet. But how do they become adults who can regulate their emotions? By giving we give them their permission and we're that anchor for them. So they're like, their waves are going up and down and we're just the steady force of like, you know what, you feel it, I'm an anchor here for you. And one day you're going to be your own anchor as your nervous system develops. But right now, because you're just
2: little, I can be your anchor for you as you kind of navigate the big waves of emotion, you know? Yeah, I I love that. And I, I do want to add to because I, again, we only have just the questions. So there's, I don't know all the background to this person's question but I do think there's definitely times where and I think we can all relate to this where your kid is crying more than normal about about the you know the most menial of things and it's easy to be like oh my gosh like you are crying at everything and maybe they don't normally do that but you're noticing that it's like oh my gosh what is going on and that can be very hard as a parent because I think we've mentioned it before but we do want our kids to be happy and so I think sometimes we almost see that crying as either reflection of us and not to mention like that can really like work on your own nerves if you're constantly hearing that. So I think it's okay to also recognize that it can be hard to deal with that. But I will say that I think it's normal for kids to go through this because like if they're going through something hard, if they didn't get a lot of sleep last night, I mean, there could be a bunch of reasons why they might be crying at everything on a day. But I think recognizing that I think it it does tend to go better if instead of the goal being okay, I want you to just be back to being happy. Like, what can we do to get you there? Whether it's, I'm just going to give, like given and give you this or this or this. That's not the right thing. And also like being like, oh my gosh, stop crying. But I think just realizing that our job is simply to to observe, like what we do with our own emotions. We're being present, observing, and being there with them. And we can just say like, and I love this. I've said this before, but something that Carolyn you said once, and I, it has helped me. It's like a good, Response for me is because I think sometimes my response is it's okay, it's okay, like it's okay, like because I want them to like be okay, but I've changed it to like it's okay to be sad, like it's okay. And sometimes I don't really know why they're sad, and sometimes I do, but I can say like it's okay to be sad. Like I can tell you're sad because you really, you know, you really wanted to have ice cream for breakfast, and like we're not going to or whatever it may be. You can still hold the boundary firmly. And I think what I wanted to just add to this is this person's asking, like, how do you deal with this crying about every single thing? I've noticed that even though it can be really grating, and sometimes it's hard when, it's, when it feels like continuous crying, the more I can just simply be present with it and not try to fix the issue, because most of the times when it's like that, you can't really fix it. When I can just be present, that continuous crying about everything does either slowly subside or sometimes it does go away quicker because I'm not trying to either stop it, do a quick fix. Sometimes all they need, and I feel this too, as an adult, sometimes all a kid needs is for, they just need to express and let out emotion and they need a safe place to be that, to have that. And we, as parents are that safe place for them. And so I think recognizing that too, that it's like, you're not doing anything wrong. Sometimes all our kids need is for us to hold a heavy boundary So that they can almost push against it and let out that good cry or good emotion. So I think almost realizing that it's like you just being present is sometimes exactly what they need when they are crying about every single thing, even though that can be really hard, like you focusing on yourself and like, I'm just going to breathe deeply and be here with you. I almost feel like it goes away. That crying continuously will go away quicker um, when we just simply choose to be present with them with it.
1: Can I can I just add that when you said, it's okay to be sad, that works with any emotion, guys. It's like just a great line. Like if you just want to like write a little list of lines of, I have like a, certain things that I say a lot that I'm like, wow, that one works. For me, it's okay to be sad or it's okay to be scared. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is somebody said that to me like two weeks ago. I said, I'm scared. And the person said, it's okay to be afraid. And it was funny because I was like, hold on, I say that to my kids. But it soothed me. Like I really was like, oh it's okay to be afraid. Oh, it is. I have permission. It's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with being afraid. It's okay. So I'm just letting you know it works on adults too. Cause literally like I was like, that really worked for me. Thank you <laughs> for giving me permission and saying it's okay. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be nervous. My kids say that all the time. They're about to go into an audition for a little school play when my my son was like, I'm kind of nervous. It's beautiful. You don't have to make the nervousness go away. You don't have to talk them out of it. You don't have to say, it's okay. It's okay. You're going to do great. You can literally just say, it's okay to be nervous. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, it's beautiful. So just want to throw that out. That works for any emotion and any age. It's okay to be that, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I love, I love all these topics. I love that we got to talk about something that was really important to each of us. And I, I just... Thank you guys for all of your wonderful questions. We really appreciate them. We take a lot of time going through them and kind of like wrestling out which ones we want to talk about. So I just want you guys to know, we hear you, we see you, and it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling while you're parenting. (laughs) There's a lot. There's a lot of feelings there.
0: Totally. And on the note of it's okay to feel our feelings, that whole, you guys touched on everything about that like emotionally charged situation that, that I would say to this question and as I was listening I just think what it what it shows your kid it teaches them empathy it also teaches them that they can trust themselves and like I think those are beautiful gifts that we're giving our kids that we're like we will be here wherever you're going to get to like I can be there with you in that space and I don't have to fix it and I think that that's just a beautiful gift in our relationships with our kids and with everyone in our lives, honestly. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for your questions. Remember you can submit them through a DM or on Instagram or leave us a review with a question that helps us as well. All right, let's find the magic. Hey guys, just a quick reminder to use code FINDTHEMAGIC to receive $50 off any Gab wireless device, watches, phones. Let's keep our kids safe on tech as they go back to school, but also safe and aware of where they are. So again, that's Gab Wireless with code FINDTHEMAGIC. You can receive $50 off any device. (laughs) <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> brown cows <laughs>